Hey, welcome back to In Light of the Gospel. Today I'm talking to a guy named John Bolt. Uh, I talked to John Giesbrecht last, and uh, this is the counterpart to, uh, to John Giesbrecht. They together have started the Bible Truths uh, YouTube channel. He's a real passionate man. He uh, came to know and understand that he could know that he was saved from an old colony preacher, believe it or not. So it's really neat, his story, the way it all plays out. And uh, we really enjoy talking to one another. And I think you'll really be blessed by his story and to recognize the uh, simplicity of the gospel and the assurance that you can have that you are a saved person. God bless. So, John Bolt. On the last video with John Giesberg, I couldn't for the life of me think of your last name for some reason. Uh, yeah. you, were, you were born and raised in the Ontario area as well, or not born? Yes, I was actually. I was born in Simcoe, Ontario, actually, yeah. Okay. One of the few. I was born in Tilsonburg, too. Most people my age were born in Mexico around here, so. Yeah, yeah, my parents came early on uh, uh, from Mexico, like, uh, maybe the oldest i'm not even sure now if my oldest brother henry if he was uh born in mexico or not they might have even all been in ontario but i know all the later ones i know for sure they were uh born and raised in ontario my parents never had a desire to go back to mexico we never did that drive to mexico and back nice. i've never actually been in mexico never not never been there or not. nope never been there oh, but it costs go plot each for the yeah, I call on. Yeah, next I got us John. No, yeah, okay. no, not quite as good. I can get get by. I use a lot of English words in yeah. there, right? Some people oh, call but, it Jurlish. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 my language. Yeah. So, how <laughs> so many, yeah, how mostly. Many, you know, how many siblings do you have? Uh eight with me. So okay, and you're kind of in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I'm the third youngest. So there's I got a brother and a sister younger than me. Okay, and yeah. um. Which area of Ontario? You were born in Simcoe, you said. Yeah, and then we, um, you know, right till I was 12, we were uh, in Walsingham, that area. We always went to a school there. We end up uh, moving to Leamington. So most of my youth, I would have spent in Leamington, Ontario. That would have been from when I was 12 all the way till, till I got uh, married. Two years after I got married and then we came to Alberta. Okay, I was trying to piece together a bit of your uh, what I understood and knew about you, and I thought somebody had said you were from Leamington, but you were friends with John, and you knew his family. You were born in Simcoe, so I didn't quite know, but okay, you guys did live in Leamington then. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, so most of my, from what I remember, if I think of my youth or that kind of stuff, it's mostly Leamington. There's only like distant, far memories of Walsingham School, So, but I know John from, yeah, even way back in Walsingham School, right? They came there a little bit, and so that area, and then even when I went, uh, we moved to Leamington, there was a couple of times that we would actually head to Almer area and, and go to their parties and stuff like that. So I know him a little bit from there as well. Okay. And you're, uh, you're in your thirties, I'm guessing. Yep. I am, uh, 31 now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We did a little bit of that too. In my teenage years, you know, all the guys were trying to find girls and it seems like almost nobody marries somebody that they knew as a child they almost always have to go somewhere else. Right. So my wife ended up being right close to our area. I just didn't know her at all. So we went to Leamington for a while trying to find girls and stuff like that. And it uh, didn't work out for me, which I'm glad for now. Yeah. Yeah. Your, yeah. Your we family's still in Leamington. What's that? Sorry. Your family is still in Leamington. No, no. My parents are out here. Like I got uh, two brothers in Leamington, one in Kitchener. Um, but, uh, the rest of us are all out here actually right okay. close to each other. So yeah, I got uh, two sisters, well, three sisters, two married ones and a uh, sister that's still uh, single. She lives on her own now, but, uh, yeah. And then my brother, Frank, me, so then my parents, they're all within like 10 minutes okay. or uh, Frankie, a little bit further away, 40 minutes, actually, uh, Bow Island, but yeah, all, all right around here, Southern Alberta. Okay. Um, do you know my brother Aaron at all then? Yes, I do. He used to be my uh, principal That's and uh, in school. Yeah. 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 It seems like almost anybody in their uh, late twenties to early thirties, if I ask them if from the Leamington area, almost all of them seem to know Aaron to some degree because of the, the school or now because of real estate. So you yeah, guys were yeah, born and raised old colony then? Yes. Yeah. I was old colony. Like I got, uh, when I got saved, 
I was still part of the old colony, actually. Um, so right, and we got married, uh, old colony, everything, Kings of the old colony. Um, and then a couple months after, and then we uh, had left because we wanted to grow and stuff for that a little bit more. So, but yeah, we were, uh, all their life, all their lives. We were, uh, old colony. My wife was old colony all the way until a little while after we got married. I see. So you have to tell me about how that all took place then. What were you like as a kid? And then how, coming up to the point where you finally heard and understood the gospel. Okay. Well, um, you know, I was talking to some guys just yesterday at church. But my mom would always, uh, she would always tell us uh, Bible stories, even from little on, right? She would tell us stories. So the Bible's always been an interesting book, right? For me, I've always, you know, believed there was a God and scared, terrified to go to hell. Right. So from little on, we were always taught uh, revelations, things from revelations. Those are the stories, at least we remember all of the kids. If I talk to any of my siblings, they uh, they remember my mom late in the evening. We're sitting around. My dad worked afternoon shift. He was gone. So we're in the living room and she'd be telling us like stuff from Revelation, seven year tribulation and stuff like that. So it was so interesting. Um, but it terrified us uh, oftentimes. And my other brothers can uh, can, uh, you know, testify to this that we'd be terrified go to bed and we'd all be like saying our prayers oh don't want to die like that don't want to be lost don't want to go through that kind of stuff scared to go to hell and um so that's that's our life a little bit growing up like that always uh you know in the evening i can remember oftentimes i was terrified of going to hell i did not want to go to hell and, and at some point i knew that i wanted to get my life right and and go to heaven but as you become a you know teenager as you got a little older and you get these these friends and uh, slowly you just want to have fun and then you want to meet girls. You want to uh, live life like everybody else, right? Like all your friends are doing. So I, I went down that road. I never got too much into the, the bigger parties. I went a couple times to the bigger parties, but in no time I always started uh, throwing my own little parties. Like I'd invite people, I'd try to invite just a few girls, a few guys. I like the way you get the, like 20 people together. So I got some really close friends like that. So I was, uh, there was three of us that were really tight. Me and Jake Drager. He's around your area. And uh, Jake, I think Jason, I know. Neelix, you know Jake uh, Drager? I think I might know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, because he might come around uh, somewhere around there, uh, your church there. He might even be around there somewhere. I think I, I drew right a house uh, house renovation for him. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, I know he's right within like minutes from where around where you live. Interesting. But uh, yeah, we were best friends. Uh, and I still consider him a very good friend. Just when you move away, you kind of go distant. But, you know, um, his cousin, which was also a good friend of mine, uh, Jake Thiessen, we always call him Neelix. He um, back then, Ray, he, he knew the gospel, but he partied with us and stuff like that. But he knew the gospel. He uh, said he got saved when he was 14 years old. But I guess he just went off and wanted a party like everybody else, whether he was saved or not, I don't know, but I didn't know anything about it. He never told us that he was uh, saved until, you know, I met my wife. Um, I wanted those little parties and we got to know each other. I really liked her. And, and that's when you start thinking about marriage and then you're like, well, then first comes baptism, the typical way. And that's why I need to stop drinking and stop playing the rock band. So us three, we're also in a little rock band, right? So I was a drummer and um jake reader was a lead guitar guy and singing and neelix played on bass and so we would uh you know um try to get a little famous like that we'd even through little events and stuff in alma area at the parties okay. we tried to you throw a little concert it didn't go really far but uh we were trying we we're going down that route but when i got more serious with my wife then i i was like we got to stop all this and i want to live a mature life and but uh, I know I need to get my life right. I know I need to get rid of all this, this music and partying and all this, this, this lifestyle. We need to get rid of it. So let's, um, you know, we should consider going through baptism and then, um, and then take it serious. We want to do it the right way. Everybody says that. They want Everybody. to do it the right way. Yeah. Nobody knows what that is, what that means, <laughs> but they've heard it that, you know, and I think uh, their way of meaning the way I meant it was uh, the right way is actually get rid of your stuff. Actually, get rid of all your bad stuff and uh, and just be really sincere from the bottom of your heart yeah. that uh, you mean what you're doing and you're not just doing this to get married. Even though you need to do this before you get married, but we're yeah. not doing it just because of that. We're actually getting our life right, and then we will uh, get married. And uh, but we're not just getting baptized just to get married. No, you know that obviously that's what the timing is. Right, we need to right now. Right, so that's what we told ourselves. We need to do it the right way. 
well, Jake Tisa started telling me right away. He said, well, John, you need to, like, you need to get saved. Baptism's not going to do anything. I'm like, what do you mean get saved? Like, uh, like I've heard of this before. Are you talking about, like, you think you can know, you know where you're going? He said, absolutely. You, you have to know, like, you have to accept Jesus in your heart and, and uh, you have to know. And I said, oh, no, no. My mom has told me a lot about scripture and those are messed up people. Oh, yeah. People that think that way, uh, they, um, in a sense, they like sell their soul to the devil. Yeah. Like once you go down that road and you think you know where you're going, uh, if something happens to you spiritually, it's almost like you sell your soul to the devil. These people are messed up. They never come back. <laughs> That's exactly me. My, my mom yeah. sounds very much like your mom. She quoted the, uh, you know, in English, we say scribes and Pharisees. In German, they say, Schleff, Schleffjelieder and Pharisäer. Yeah. And so for me, anytime one of my friends got saved and they started really studying the Bible, I was like, you watch out or else you're going to be one of those Schleffjelieder. You know, you're going to start yeah. to know the Bible too well. <laughs> That's exactly what I quoted. I said, you know, you can't, you can't know this kind of stuff. People that think they know all this kind of stuff. I remember even telling my brother Frank back then, I said, you know what? I really like old colony people. And I still do. Like I do. I really appreciate the culture, like uh, German people. I do. I really appreciate that kind of stuff. Uh, the, our food and, and just talking to oh, teaching yeah. people. I, I like it. I like our ministry. We, we do German uh, stuff on Fridays. I, I really enjoy it. Some people already think you get saved and you kind of just hate Elkania or you hate, and I don't. And um, I think many times it's just an accusation. But I remember telling my brother, Frank, I said, you know what? I love old county people people that go to old county church they're the coolest people like they're down to earth they're chill all these people that go to these other churches look right just look at them i remember telling my brother so i'll still love they're messed up just look at how they, they think they're better than everybody uh they uh you know you, you want to go to party and all they do is point to your, your faults your flaws they have their own stuff they listen to their own bad music but oh they think they're so much better just because they do a little less sin and they think they're so much better i said everybody has sin and be like, yeah, yeah, that's true. And I'm like, see, that's why old calling people is like, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it much because we're all sinners. Like, why you sit there talk about it? Like, we all believe in Jesus. We all believe in God. We all want to go to heaven. I really want to go to heaven. I know my mom really wants to go to heaven. She's telling me the Bible. Why would people diss all that kind of stuff? Like, I need something different. Like, and and here's the thing. I'm I'm hearing the gospel from somebody who's partying with me. Mm. So it's not really making sense yet. I'm like you're you're in a rock band with me like you're you're drinking beer with me and we're doing these sins together what do you mean i need to get saved like okay so i now I say this sinner's prayer and see that's never made sense to me eh? i'm like i say this sinner's prayer and um somehow something's gonna change inside of me am i still gonna do what you do drink beer and uh play in a rock band or What's no, the no, difference? I'm Christian. You can't do that. You're not supposed to. I shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, okay, they start making more sense. So, but I said, what's the difference between me and you? Well, all I know is you, you can't, you know, you can't rely on baptism. You have to get saved first. And, and I'm like, you know what this is? I, I started getting really upset with them. I said, you know what? You're no better than me. And, and uh, you know what? Like we're, my wife and I, well, you know, your fiance at the time, I said, we're going to go through this thing. And I was like, oh, can you are not that bad people? the church is good and and we're happy there we're fine there we're gonna change our lives and we're yes we're gonna live for jesus but this whole getting saved thing i don't think you can just say this prayer accept jesus and 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 i'll go around saying you're saved that did not make any sense to me well that's that's a good thing in a sense right because now now that you and i know a little more theologically we also still disagree with that. Like there's not like a formula. You repeat a certain set of words and then something happens in your heart, right? You're, there's something completely different about the message of the gospel that has nothing to do with asking Jesus into your heart. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But yeah, this is, this was popular at the time, right? So there's a lot of people, you know, around the, yeah, it's, it's been, and it's getting more and more. So people, uh, sinners prayers, right? It says, say this prayer. And I'm like, how, it, these people are no different okay they now they can just say they're saved now somehow they're in the saved class in the saved group but there's no difference see the world is just not fooled with that i know i wasn't i wasn't fooled by that i'm like you know what i knew it i'm like i'm no worse than you guys i've lived a decent life yeah sure i tried a little bit of drugs never got heavy into it. i just like drinking beer and uh like a little bit i wouldn't drink every day just just to get buzzing and then uh so i wouldn't be, i wouldn't be shy around all the girls right I know why people do it. Like, what else do you do, right? It's just that way, just talking to girls would be fun. I'm like, see, that's all I do. It's not that bad. 
and I'm not and I'm not that much worse than all these other people. Listen to a little bit of rock music, rap music, swear and every now and then. I'm like, I'm not that bad. I really felt it. I'm like, I'm, I know I'm, I'm all right. I know I'm not going to go to heaven. I knew that. I knew that if I died, like, yeah, I'll go to hell. But like, if I change my life, I really thought that there, there'd be a chance. And if, if there is a chance, that. it's it's getting baptized and going to Old Colony and uh, staying yeah. with the right kind of people, right? Well, that was the only thing that, uh, you know, I heard the typical stuff where people say after they got baptized, they walked out and how they felt. You know, oh, I remember I could feel my sins gone. I'm like, oh, I want to experience that. All your sins gone. You could actually feel it. That would be uh, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right after you get baptized, I heard people say, oh, yeah, you, you walk out. You do it right. If you do it the right way, I think that's where the people get the idea. Do baptism right. And when you walk out, you will just feel it. You're in your spirit that um, all your sins are gone. Man, if you could just die that day. That's why many people wish that. <laughs> I still didn't really want to die that day, but I can see it as for salvation. When I really thought of salvation, then that would be a good time to die. Yeah. Or maybe somewhere where you could have that feeling uh, of a surety. Like when you know that if I die right now, I would go to heaven. So everybody wants to die with assurance. They all want to die with assurance. And I wanted this assurance. I had a few other friends tell me, uh, yeah, too, okay, well, you're going through these baptism classes. Uh, and this is a different guy, Abe Dreeter. So it's Jake uh, Dreeter's older brother. He's, I remember we were sitting in the car one time. And he's telling me, John, ask your preachers. He said, do you even know what they believe? Like, ask them, can you know? Like, what would they say? I'm like, well, uh, what my mom tells me, then old colony people don't believe that. So they mostly say no. But he's like, ask them. He's like, tell me, promise me that this Wednesday, when you go to Wednesday uh, school class, he says that you will ask them uh what they believe just see what they say he said, i want to know then you come tell me what do they say if they say they uh you can't know and stuff like that then, then you know show them these scriptures or this or that he says you know he says but for now just ask them i'm like, okay i will i will ask them but i know what they're gonna say they're gonna say no you can't know and you uh you know you shouldn't think that way and okay for your sake and that's why i literally did it when i was came wednesday now nobody in wednesday school had ever asked the question yet you know, the preachers always, when we're done, this we're like about halfway, midway in the classes, halfway through the curriculum, and uh, nobody asked every time uh, when it's down there. Say it was scary came. talking to them. It was they're so intimidating. <laughs> so nobody ever did. They say any question, any frown. He's like, "Why are you guys so quiet? You know, this is a good time to have some questions and stuff like that." Nobody ever did. So I'm like, "Oh, now I'm gonna be the first one." I promised the friend that I would do it. Okay, my heart is pounding, kind of like the first time I preached and uh it's pounding and uh and i was like okay um i kind of failed and i'm like oh boy i regret it already <laughs> like, okay, what is that i'm like i have a few friends they're a little messed up <laughs> i'm trying to make it sound like i don't believe this but they want me to ask like they say that i you need to know where you're going my mom says that you can't she doesn't see how it's possible what do you guys say to this what what is what is true can is there any way in any, any way that somebody could actually know where they're going before they die while they're still alive. I said this all in German and my poor German at the time. And he said, and then uh, Peter Dick at that time, he told me, he says, oh yes, between you and God, you have to know. I'm like, oh. so shocked. There was other people in the class and everything and later got born again because of that. And uh, uh. it was so shocking. I believe I got saved actually right there. Because it was my question was answered because I had a lot of gospel and I'm rejecting it. And I'm like, no, old colony doesn't believe that. And I trusted in old colony. So they were the ones I wanted to hear the gospel from, right? And when they confirmed it, when, when Pettidick said, he said, yes, between you and God, you have to know. All my uh, uh, answers were, like, all my questions were answered. So you already had a concept of Christ on the cross. And you, you already had this understanding that Jesus died for our sins. But you just can't know if it's for you for sure. Oh, I, I knew that uh, this time, like, as you know, I'm trying to make the story not too long, but I got witnessed too often, like me and this JT would often talk about it. I remember the one time we were late outside, me, him, and we we're Jake Dreeter, his parents, they still live right in Kingsville, right beside this church. And it was late. We were hanging out uh, there and, and we were just by the church, we were sitting there. And then we started talking about stuff, talking about demons and different things. It was getting kind of scary, kind of getting tense. All of a sudden it got the, you know how it is around a campfire, maybe late oh, yeah. camping. You get into like, little, the stories get a little intense. And then I was like, man, I would, I wish you could like know where you're going when you die. Like you don't have to go to hell and stuff. And he was like, oh yes, you can. Like you, you can get saved. You could get saved right now if you actually want to. I'm like, how, how's that possible? And Jake Reader at the time too, he's like, 
he believed he's yeah like it is possible i just don't want to yet I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to yet i'm like if, if i believe if i said if i knew right now that i could get saved right now i said i would do it right now he's and then uh jt said oh you can but i'm like the thing is i don't believe that that you can like i, I don't see. believe that things where i'm like I, I believe that and i just i just came out with it. i said i believe that i could possibly be selling my soul to the devil he's like you think i sold my soul to the devil i'm like i'm not saying that i'm just saying maybe i'm like i'm so scared of that like i've been taught that if you would like give your life to jesus or this these people that think they can do that and know where they're going that that, that could be like in a sense selling their soul to the devil that's what held me back because i believe that somehow i'd get messed up right mm. there and i'm, like, I'm not saying that sinner's prayer right now because i don't believe that that is the way and uh, somehow i would sell my soul to the devil if i did that said that prayer right now started walking around saying i'm saved so i'm like nope not doing it i rejected it, i rejected it so but he was giving me the gospel. He was showing me five thirteen, like all these these verses, right? In First John, he's showing me stuff like you can know, you have to know. Yeah, you're misinterpreting something; they're not adding up. No, all these people say you can't. So somehow you're reading and understanding it wrong. But he was getting me partly persuaded. So when I was in Wednesday school classes, that's all I needed. I'm like, what? There is people in Old Colony preaching and they believe and say absolutely what really hit me is he said yes between you and god you have to know not just that you can know but you need to know this yeah that answer everything I'm like, that's exactly what this uh, a was telling me just before he said go ask your preachers go ask them at old colony there if you can know and when he said it's not just that you can know like yeah maybe because because a lot of times people will think Maybe before your deathbed, you made everything right. You've confessed everything. At that time, you could kind of know. You could what you, maybe- what's your confidence then, right? Your confidence is in the fact that you've confessed everything. You've done all kinds of good. So your hope is not in Jesus at all. Your hope is in your performance. That's right. Now, the, the fear right. that I have with some of these old colony people, there was a, another guy named Jake Dreeder, a preacher that I know some from many years ago. He said that he started to discover a lot of old colony people. They would leave old colony with the understanding that you can know that you're saved. And then they would go around preaching. You can know, you can know. The only problem was with a lot of them is they never actually knew themselves if they were saved. They just liked the idea that you can know, but they didn't have any assurance themselves. They didn't have any confidence that I am saved because their, their confidence was still in their performance, even though they now knew I can know that I'm saved. Their confidence never was placed in Jesus on the cross they didn't trust in the one sacrifice of Christ for sins forever. They just trusted in this idea that, oh, okay, I'm a pretty good person. And you can know if, if God is good and he's kind and just, and I'm, you know, just a weak sinner, you know, I have mercy on me, a sinner, then yeah, God is saving me. But th there's no confidence in Jesus. So they never actually had assurance of salvation. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. No, that's exactly where it is. That, and that's what makes it so confusing, right? Because even when you have people kind of say, yeah, you can kind of know. But their way of saying you could know is, is you know, maybe if you're old and you you have no interest in watching movies or sinning at all. Like, I always looked at my grandma. I'm like, if there's anybody going to heaven, it's her, you know. She'd pray before she would eat an orange. You know, like, she'd eat a little <laughs> snack and she'd pray. And, you know, the thing was, she didn't watch on TV. She didn't never, never heard a swear word, never even heard her get angry. Like, you know, a lot of people say, could say that about their grandma, just spiritual. You know, you're kind of old and just calm. And the things you do is you just love to talk to grandkids, give them candy and, you yeah. never would. I've never seen a sin out of her. Never seen it. I don't know her <laughs> way back. I don't even hear stories. And um, if I think of like my mom's mom, she's she passed away already. But uh, it sounds like even way back, she was really spiritual. Whether she's saved or not later on in life, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like nobody really knows. But if, you know, a lot of people have in their head, if there's somebody that could know they're saved, like a person like that could person like that could look at how upright and righteous they're living you know they're just they're meek always keeping their cool they're calm and um praying and reading and and we say okay yeah so you can know so we kind of leave that open and say yeah no it's true like the bible says uh you can know and us young people living in sense and know well i'm not sure or but i believe that you can't know Right? Yeah, if somebody somebody says, I believe you can know that you're saved, then you ask them, Are you saved? And then they well, well, I don't I don't know about that. You know, that's that's too direct, right? Yep, that's exactly where it was. So when uh, when Pyta said that uh he said, you know what, between you and God, you have to know. It's like 
man, I don't know if the Holy Spirit let him just to say that right there because it's the answer that I needed, right? And and I'm sure I had friends and Christians already at that time praying for me too, right? So sometimes you wonder like, man, how did that come out? Because even other people were shocked. I remember hearing different guys saying, at, well, after the Wednesday school class, like, I had that same question. I wanted to ask that. That is, oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Man, that's interesting. Like now it was, it was a big thing. And actually you hear later on, there was actually quite a few uh people that were baptism candidates at that time that later on got saved wow born again pressing born again and and then some of them i talked to and they they say that was a big uh big answer so you know just hearing it from an old colony preacher um especially for a young guy it's like we just need that answered can you know we're kind of scared of this this new doctrine a lot of young people turning into it and he's kind of saying yes no that's actually not that scary you you actually have to know wow right there i knew i couldn't wait for saturday see what was happening is uh some people were giving their life to christ uh saying sinners prayer there was another friend of mine he he's like yep he accepted jesus he uh a week before whatever on the weekend we had a bonfire talk and there's a bunch of friends and he gave his life to christ or he um, said a sinner's prayer and oh, he got saved. He was, he was fired up about it now. I'm like, ah, I'm still iffy. But after that Wednesday, we were driving home and I, I remember saying to my girlfriend at the time, and I was saying to Eva, I'm like, you know what, man, I can't wait for Saturday. Yep. I'm going to, I'm getting saved. Are you going to do it? Are you going to, I'm like, I'm getting saved. So I'm still in the mindset that now I'm not, yep. Now I'm confident. Yep. Saturday comes around. And if there's an invitation, like um, if somebody wants to say something around the fire, if somebody wants to give their life to Christ, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yep. I, I'm not scared of it anymore. So I wasn't there, scared. There was so much talk around the bonfires about the gospel that they would actually ask if anybody wanted to get saved. Yep. Wow. It was actually at that time, like, uh, and it, right, even right after that, well, since that Wednesday, I, uh, I was fired up, man. I was really fired up. I still get sometimes like that actually really fired up with the gospel and preaching and we've done street preaching, but those early stages, I was really, really radical, right? Yeah. Where it scared people, right? Because I was now excited. Man, my questions have been answered. Now I was right away. We're not going to join a youth group. We're going to start a youth group, right? So with JT, so I'm like, let's do this from now on. Let's let's every when we for a while we got together every evening at the Leamington Beach there playing volleyball and whoever would come out, young people would come out play volleyball and then we'd preach. Hey guys, let's pray before we uh play this game and people got a little awkward and then we just then we start talking to them. Hey, like you saved yet? why not? What's holding you back? <laughs> and then, you know, we're so fired up and there was more people that uh, came around and got saved. Some of them, uh, I, I don't think actually got saved. We got them to say a sinner's prayer. And today I think I, you would say have fallen away. That's why you see the sinner's prayer doesn't really work. And for me, for years, I even one time wrote down my first Bible there, March 10th, whatever. I might even find the Bible. Uh, I got saved. That was on Saturday, uh, over 10 years ago now. And, uh, in 2010 yeah in march or something like that I wrote it down right when we we're going through the baptism classes so that saturday i wrote it in my bible i i held on to oh yeah i got saved here later on as i matured in the faith i can clearly see it like no i got saved here when i believed interesting but with those doctrines that's why i don't just push away people that will say okay except jesus get saved no some people truly get saved but i was telling them you, you got saved the moment you heard and believed the gospel from the bottom of your heart later whether you said a sinner's praying start praying to god that's irrelevant of course you're gonna start praying to god and you're gonna be sorry for your sins you ought to be sorry for your sins of course you feel terrible yeah uh, i feel terrible of my sins before i got saved yeah, more often, though, when someone does that whole sinner's prayer thing, they're looking for something. They're looking for something to absolve them of guilt and take away their sins and, and do something for them and to them. And then some Christian, good-meaning Christian, will come along and say, well, I'll just pray this prayer. And they never transfer their guilt and their shame to Christ. They never actually look to Jesus. You know, in the book of Galatians, Paul says that Jesus Christ, before whose eyes Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you, is how he says it. So obviously Paul isn't saying that Jesus was crucified in Galatia, but he said, when I preach Jesus to you and you picture him suffering on the cross, you recognize what God was doing to him. And for us, that's when you get saved. He was, he was there crucified among you. It's like you saw him. Whereas the sinner's prayer thing, all it does is deal with your own heart. You're looking, yeah, I mean, I need this to be cleaned up. I need something in here to change, but that's not where the change comes from. The change comes from looking outside of yourself, looking to Jesus, right? When you see what he's done and his suffering, that's when your sin is removed, not when you're when he comes into your heart, right? Yeah, no. And see, all that kind of stuff, uh, it doesn't seem to make sense to a new believer. And especially with 
<clears throat> all the teaching we hear, the teaching, preaching. I remember listening to a lot of messages after that. And, um, and I would start to struggle because um, all of a sudden guys would say, if you're still listening to contemporary Christian music, like <clears throat> how do you claim to be saved? And I'm like, yeah, why do I do that? Man, what if I didn't really get saved? I should get saved again. Oh, I, I should say a sinner's prayer again. So I struggle with that. And I know that it's uh, the, the preaching uh, later that I was listening to different preachers and some of the churches I would go to later, you know, I don't want to pick a point. I'm not going to give names and stuff like that. But there was this one church we'd go to and uh, we went there for a while and they had multiple preachers. So some would preach like, in a sense, lost salvation, like head coverings important. All this stuff is super important. And if you, if you're, why if you don't want to wear a head covering? Like, how do you claim to be saved? If you're listening to this and this kind of music still, like, how do you think you're saved? Like, you're not saved. I was like, oh, I was like Christian wouldn't do that. Like, we're doing some of that. Oh, man, we go home. We want to clean up some CDs and pray. You know, if we didn't truly get saved, then, like, we want to get saved now, you know? And you doubt. And the next time you hear a different preacher, and he's all about assurance of salvation, like, yeah, you, you feel lifted up. You felt motivated. No, I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm I'm, I'm born again. I'm saved. I, I know I am. Like, and it's... So as an early convert, that's why you can so easily mislead uh, these early stage converts, right? Because we're just excited and kind of open to all preaching. Oh, they're all Christians. And look, these guys are Christian. That guy's a Christian. And, yep. and you know, you're listening to everybody and which is, you know, it seems like everybody's just going to go through that. And so I don't even try to stop people from going through that. I just try to guide them along the way. If they come past what, my way. But what is the fault of that, though? Let's say you found someone who... Uh needed the gospel you give it to them straight the way that you now understand it and they just grow up in that faith like i've seen a few guys now come to faith just simply seeing jesus on the cross recognizing his work for us and nothing else and they seem to just grow like that there's none of this up and down and doubting their salvation and wondering whether they did enough or prayed enough or repented enough they're just trusting in jesus nothing else what do you think is the fault of some of these groups is there is there a certain central point of, of doctrine maybe that's missing in these groups or maybe not enough emphasis on something? They would have to be, you know, my way of thinking, there would have to be uh, doctrines are missing. Like, and we know, and not to just pick on all the churches, but we're living in the last times, right? Everybody believes that we're living later times. So we know like there's so much deception going on. There's so much missing doctrine. so watered down gospel. Like nobody's really growing. There's, there's Christians that I'm around uh, less nowadays but especially when i just came out here and it's like what do you guys do for bible study nobody's doing anything nobody's studying their bible people are so busy we're so distracted in life everybody's caught up in work and different things and go to church on a sunday morning and i always find christians that just go to church on a sunday they don't ever actually grow because sunday messages are never that deep think about your typical church that you're going to go to you're going to hear a little encouraging message maybe a little bit about heaven but no deep doctrinal stuff ever and rightfully so, it's Sunday morning. I always tell people, you need like a Bible study. You need to be studying this stuff, you know, and just learn that little bit, little extra doctrines on a, on a Friday or a Wednesday. You do these kind of things and, and give it five, 10 years, you'll actually be, you'll be way somewhere else than you are now. I find most people, like a typical Christian is not doing that and they stay back. They're not being fed. You know, we have Paul saying, why are you still on the milk? So we know it was an issue way back in the day already that there's Christians, uh, they're just on milk and they stay on milk. And then 10 years later, they're still on milk. Well, these Christians are easily moved, right? They're like James, they're tossed to and fro. They doubt uh, different things, right? That's why I preached a while back on First uh, John and uh, how you can assure yourself, right? We can assure our hearts because many people work with that as Christians. They're, they're so weak. They're not putting on the armor of God. You could say they're not... Uh, they're not on guard. They're not taking heed that the you know, devil's going to try to come and deceive them, not lose their salvation, not uh, anything like that, but just doctrinally, even this, even to the point of where, where they start to feel like, man, I'm such a shallow Christian. And then when they see some stronger Christians, they start to doubt themselves, whether they are, are saved or not. Now we, it's iffy. I would say to people, I, mean, I hate iffy salvation. I hate that um, you talk to some people and you're like, Maybe he's saved. He professes to be saved, but um, I'm not sure. Like, I feel terrible even saying that. I don't want to go around and saying who's saved and who's not saved. But uh, sometimes you're just so unsure because you're like, okay, it could be a shallow Christian or uh, not a Christian at all. And it's hard to discern like where the fakes and where the real Christians are. The, the ones that are grounded, like you're, you're talking with some people. And Jesus used that parable, and you'll be aware of this one. Remember the seeds? 
the sower went out. And there's four, uh, four uh, types of seeds there, you could say, right? You know, there's the three negative. There's three, and he says they get rooted up right away. Well, we know about the three is, I don't believe they're saved. Some, some would say they are. But the three, the stony, the ones that fall on stony ground, the ones that fall among the, the thorns, um, and one that fall among the rocks, right? And then there's the one that falls on good ground. So what we like to see and what, we, what I expect, and every Christian I think we should expect this, is it falls in the good ground, it grows up, it brings forth fruit. And the Bible gives no room for anything else. You find in the scripture, it's either you, it falls in a good ground and it will bring good fruit. If you don't have the fruit, it says you'll know them by their fruit and they're simply just not saved. But uh, I find you can get very narrow-minded right away because I look at my life, just a little testimony here, even after I got saved, I struggled. So I've, I have to ask myself this. So did I not get saved that Wednesday? Did I get saved at a later date? See, I don't question my salvation today. For the last five years, I would say I never doubt my salvation. And why because I've, I'm going to say because of Bible doctrine. I've grown. Like, I understand. Like, you're talking about the one sacrifice and all these things you'll find in Hebrews. And because um, the thing is, as long as you're believing kind of a, maybe you could lose your salvation type of thing here too, then how are you um, ever going to discern whether you've lost or not? See, I've come to believe this now. I tell people this. I believe in a loss of salvation. I said, if that's true, then I know I've lost it a, a bunch of times already. I probably lost it just recently. Right. And, you know, okay, I'm back on onto it, whatever. But I'm like, what about Hebrews where it says it's impossible to renew you? I said, that's just, the problem is with people that believe in a loss of salvation always believe that they can come back. I said, well, that's something I just see in the scripture very clearly. So I know. If you lose it, there's no coming back. There's no getting saved again. It's a one-shot deal. Salvation is a one-shot deal. So you rather figure out you get you better figure out whether you got saved or not. You better uh, examine yourselves, Peter says. So you find that people they they need to do this. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith or not. Maybe you uh, maybe that's why you're constantly struggling and doubting because maybe you're not saved or you're a shallow Christian. But it's one of the two. Right. It's uh, and make up your mind whether it, it you know you're can assure yourself or not if you can't look at your own fruits do you love the brethren do you love church do you love you know the things of god do you hate the things of satan you know you can check yourself in these kind of things i did this early on in the years i had some you know uh, i would say my father-in-law father-in-law was a big uh, uh big help to this he would he never doubted when he got saved which was like maybe a year after me we were we were tight we would always have bible studies and stuff because they're in ontario and while we still lived there the first two years we were always with them and studying about rapture and end times. He grew so fast. And I remember we would go for walks and I would tell him, man, just what about this? And what about like, you know, when you doubt and stuff like that, he says, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt all the time? No. And he would right away assure me he never struggled with doubt. That bothered me all the more. I'm like, he does. He never struggles right from when he got saved. He never struggled with, with doubt. Why do I struggle with doubt? But this would only make me doubt all the more because why am I, you know, struggling. Why am I struggling to every time I see a little sin in my life after I got saved, then I go back to, oh, did I really get saved? And how do I know? I just want to be sure. I just want to be sure because I really want to go to heaven. I want to make sure I'm not like deceiving myself thinking that I got saved and I'm not actually. Right. But uh, it, it just took for me to actually learn Bible doctrine and uh, see the scripture. And, and now for over half the uh, time of my life being a Christian, I, I don't, I don't struggle with that anymore, but I can actually now have grace on people. when I see them struggling, I, I feel with it. I yeah. feel with it. Why they would doubt and they fall back into sin and why they feel like, man, a Christian wouldn't do this. And that's true. A Christian shouldn't do this. And there's a, there's those passages. You quoted a couple of them where, you know, examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith, uh, lest you yep. be reprobate, that kind of thing. Right. Um, Paul, Paul feared for the Corinthians. He says, I'm, I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed labor upon you in vain. I don't know if you're even genuine Christians, right? Yep. So if someone professes Christ and then they continue to live like the devil, like first John talks about, if you say you have walk in light, but yet you live in darkness, then you lie and do not the truth. So there's, there's those very clear signs where someone is continuing on the same way they ever did. Maybe they prayed a prayer, maybe they got baptized, but they clearly have no love for God. There's a difference there, right? But when he yeah. says to examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith, 
I don't think the emphasis is supposed to be placed on look deep inside yourself to see if there's enough faith there. Look deep inside yourself to see if you've been doing a good enough job or look deep inside your past or your history to see, did I confess enough? Did I pray enough? Did I repent enough? The idea is, is there faith in Christ there? What, what if you had to meet God right here, right now, today, what are you banking on? What hope do you have of eternal life? If, if it's like, well, I've tried to do really good or I've been praying really hard, or, oh man, I messed up. I'm not sure if I, well, then your confidence is in the wrong place. Whether yep. you're saved or not, you're looking to the wrong thing. We look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, right? We, we look to him because he's the one that did it for us. If, you know, I often like to look at it this way. Are you confident that Jesus was accepted. You know, Jesus died, he was crucified, he was buried, and he was raised again, and then he ascended up into heaven. Did the Father accept Jesus? Are you absolutely sure that Jesus is saved? Well, nobody doubts that. Nobody that believes in God. Of course he's saved. I mean, he, he did perfectly. He did right. Well, then I would like to say this to you. You are saved on the exact same basis as Jesus. Why is Jesus saved? Because of his right living, because of his godliness, because he, he was perfect, the sinless son of God. Why am I saved? Because Jesus' life, because the way he lived, because of his perfect sinless life, and he gave his life for me. There's that great exchange, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God's righteousness is the life of Christ. So now, God took my sin, placed it on Jesus, took Christ's life and his righteousness, places it upon me. I am now saved because of what he did. So then assurance does not come from looking in my past to see if I did something or if I'm believing something just right. Assurance comes from looking outwardly, looking to Jesus. Um, Charles Spurgeon, that great famous preacher, on a slightly different topic, he said something like this. He said, I looked to Jesus and the dove of peace flew into my heart. And I looked to the dove and it flew away because the goal was not the peace. The goal was to look at Jesus. That's where our confidence comes from. That's where our peace comes from. That's where our joy comes from. So if you want assurance in your life, stop looking inside and look to the cross. Look to see what yep. it do for us. Yeah, no, that's it. You nailed it. You nailed it. It's exactly I've, I've said to people all this before. You too. I'm like, I'm as saved as Jesus is saved. I'm as uh, sure going to heaven as Jesus is in heaven. Right. And there's, you know, passages and stuff you can clearly point to that, you know, where I say, if we're in Christ, where's Christ now? He's already in heaven. So I'm like, we're just walking this earth in this body yet still. Right. So it's, it's really irrelevant what we, in a sense, do in this body. But are we motivated, therefore, to sin? No, we know because of Romans 6. Right. Shall we now sin? We're, yeah, you know, dead. like, how could we now sin? You know, I love preaching Romans because of that. Romans are really, if I think about the book of Romans is really what helped me out of it yet too and my, my father-in-law and i we would uh study and we go through romans and those kind of things that's where i've come to really i would say still it's a favorite my favorite book in the bible absolutely the book of romans i think it would help more more than anything if mennonites would really study romans and galatians you know you you would see i'm like it is almost feels like a books that are just written to us exactly you know, because it's written to religion right it's written to uh we find law and grace right especially galatians you see these kind of things because as Christians, like I said, I, early on, I've um, been around where, uh, you know, we'd lead people to Christ. I'd lead people through sinner's prayer along with JT's and a few of these other guys. We would uh, we would lead people through uh, a sinner's prayer and not exactly repeat after me, but I'll just say something like this and just ask Jesus in your heart. And many of them did not stick around in the faith. It, it clearly didn't work, you could say. It clearly didn't work. And and, you know, with some people, you just clearly can see it right away. It didn't work. Um, they're not three weeks later. Uh, they're choked out. They're falling away. They're it, really they're in worse shoes than when they started I know, out. I know a lot of parents that really want their little kids to get saved. Right. And so because we believe that God doesn't have grandchildren, every person has to belong to God directly. You have to become a child of God personally. Christians understand that. So the moment their child at four or five or six years old begins to fear death and fear hell, maybe they quickly say, well, just quickly say this prayer. If you say this prayer, God is faithful. He's going to forgive you no matter what, but they don't place the emphasis and the, the view of the young child on Christ and his finished work. They place the emphasis on these magical words that you say. And I know so many people who now they come to their teens or their twenties 
And then I think they actually get saved. They finally see Christ for the first time. And then they'll say weird things like, I think I was saved at four, but then I lived a completely rebellious, completely ungodly lifestyle for 10, 15 years. And then I finally came back to God. I rededicated my life. And it's like, can't you see that this whole praying a prayer thing and asking Jesus into your heart is not salvation? It is Christ alone. It is his work and nothing else, right? So we think of it as like two things. There's uh, there's the, the crowd that says they're saved and they do sinner prayer, except Jesus in their heart, get saved. And then there's a crowd that does the best until the end and, and uh, see what happens. I let God decide when I get to heaven. It seems like we put it up in the two crowds, but really there's, I would say, I know for sure there's at least three, you know, because I'm like, I'm not in either one of those groups, right? Uh, but you're right. Why can't people can't see that? But you think about it, you go to typical church even that we were part of uh that would believe uh you can know and you, you have to know and preaching salvation i would say it was good it was good preaching but the problem is with the kids everybody's confused today about with what happens to kids we you know i know you and john talked about a little bit and stuff um with uh communion should kids take communion people don't know we're not sure because we don't know where the kids stand we don't know well you know I, i've gone to true baptist churches and stuff where they'll Okay, well, if the kid is seven years old and has had a sinner's prayer, then yes, he's saved. This kid is saved and uh, take communion with him. My kids sit there and look like, why can't I take communion? I remember telling uh, my oldest boy, he was six or seven at the time. He's seen some five-year-old, six-year-old, they take communion. And then and I'm like, uh, I didn't know what to tell him. And he's like, why, why can't I take communion? I'm like, well, this is, and I, I fumbled over my words. I'm like, this is for like people who like, you know, believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you do. You know what? Maybe next time. I, I didn't want to think about it at this time. And, and I talked to a few other parents and stuff. I remember talking about it. I'm like, what do you do? Right. And oh, I don't know. I've, I've wondered the same thing where I'm not sure. I'm like, I'm not pushing my kids through a sinner's prayer. I've seen people almost in a sense more damaged. The people that have led through a sinner's prayer, most of them have fallen away. Yeah. People that I just preach the gospel to and watch them convert, like John Giesberg is one of them. I first gave the gospel. He had other people after that, too. Rick right, my brother Frank, most of my family, my parents, I never tried any of that sinner's prayer stuff, but they got saved, they got born again, and they stuck around the faith. Amen. Most of them come to our church there, and they stick around. I'm like, the only way it actually works is when they believe, Yeah. when they believe, and the sinner's prayer thing. So then we don't know with kids. We're like, well, they believe, but they don't believe. They're they're saved, but they're not born again. Uh, now we, we're not sure what state, but you're right. We're scared that they'll just say, well, I've always been a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home, so I'm a Christian. We're scared of that. And then we're also scared that um, all of a sudden they all, I don't know, say, say a sinner's prayer and, and therefore think they're rely on that and tr- therefore end up not being saved and never end up getting saved. That's right. So I, one of the things that I try to do with my kids, I, we have seven children. My oldest is now 18 and the youngest is two. So there's quite a gap between them. We've seen three of them get baptized and profess faith in Christ probably four of them that are trusting in Jesus alone. And um, one of the ways that I've tried to preach the gospel to them, I mean, they hear me preach it all the time. They come with me to youth nights and I'm preaching it constantly. I think the gospel should be emphasized all the time. Every service, there should always be, not that you're preaching a gospel message to like unsaved people all the time, but you're always making mention of that. It's his work, not ours that saves. And then, you know, my children need to know that they're sinners. At the same time, I don't ever want them to rebel and go off into a life of sin. I don't want them ever to get into the party scene or drinking scene or fornicating scene. I want them to stay pure. So how are they ever going to see themselves as sinners? I try to use those opportunities when, they, when they've done something, even on a small scale. You know, Jesus says, if you look with lust or if you're angry at, at your brother without a cause, it's like fornication or adultery. It's like murder. And so when they've done something that severe, you know, not when they've, you know, uh, crossed a line somewhere and I need to just give them a quick bit of discipline. But when they've actually crossed the line to where I can say, look, you are a sinner. You know, what you've done here it didn't just violate me or our rules, but you have placed yourself into a category of sinner in the same sense that if you continue on this train, if you continue to go this way, it will result in a life of complete debauchery and sin and shame. And, you know, <clears throat> once they get to be maybe eight or 10 or 12, depending on how mature that particular child is, I'll give them the option, you know, I'll tell them, you know, till now, when you were guilty, when you felt ashamed, when you felt like you had really messed up, what I, what did I do for you? 
I would talk to you, I would discipline you, and then I would spank you, and that would relieve your conscience. Many times a child after a spanking will feel so relieved and so fresh, right? Because it's like, oh, my sin is gone. Now I'm good again with my dad. He's not holding this over me. But when they get to be like 10, 12 years old, I'll sometimes have a talk with them. I'll, I'll give them an option. I can continue to treat you like a child. I can continue to relieve your conscience with the rod. If that's what you want, we can go there because I don't know where you're at maturity wise. But I have another option for you. I said, you know, I never spank your mom. You know, I never spank your older siblings. I don't do that. What, how, do, how do they deal with their sin? Because they still sin. They still struggle. They still fall short. What do I do? Well, they have found another way to deal with their guilt. They have placed their faith in someone else's punishment. See, Jesus, when he was on this earth, he suffered and died as if he were the sinner, as if he had done the very crime that you just committed right now. And if you trust in his sacrifice, then I don't need to deal with your conscience anymore with a rod. You can now clean your conscience by recognizing that he did this for you and that he took your place, that the sin you just committed now is what nailed Jesus to the cross. And if they, you know, I don't know if I, if they make that decision right then and there, but usually they're like, okay, well that, you know, obviously if they want to get out of spanking, that'd be an easy way to get out. But you can tell they're yeah. thinking, they're contemplating, they're wondering, well, if, if that's the case, you know, I would love it if my children didn't, were maybe a little bit uh, unsure of the exact moment they got saved, but that they would, the moment that they are found in deep, dark sin, when they really feel lost and empty, that they would immediately make that connection. Oh, but Jesus, Jesus did this. And you know, that there wouldn't have to be this long drawn out rebellious period, but we'll see what happens. But so far it's those kids, the oldest kids, they, they have a simple childlike faith. They wonder, they question things like, well, what about this then? What about that? But their faith in Christ is pretty sure. Yeah, no, that's good. Has it ever made sense to me? Um, <clears throat> I've talked to a few guys even just recently. Um, you know, we, we find Jesus saying, hey, you suffer the little children that come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, he says in other passages, unless ye be converted and become as little children. I'm like, here we are trying to get little children to become like us. When yet the Bible teaches that we're supposed to become like little children. So I'm like, how? You know, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Things like that have always, um, I think, I feel like I'm a deep thinker. I, even as a, in a lost state, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Couldn't really read well. You know, all my life I, I flunked in school. I was always, uh, just wanted to be funny and bad yeah. and stuff like that. But it's, it's, my thinking has always gone deep. It's always been like, that doesn't make sense. Well, that doesn't work out. So all these, you know, all the questions and stuff I had, it needed to be answered. It needed to be answered even right from getting saved. And until this day, it seemed that way with doctrines and everything when you look at it when i see it i see how churches do things like okay you're gonna let a little seven-year-old take communion my kids can't these kids are saved these are not i'm like something's not adding up and we're in the scripture we're in the scripture and then i've asked people this way hasn't do you know of any eight-year-old right now burning in hell oh well no you know of any adults oh yeah okay we know of adults burning in hell but nobody knows of an eight-year-old but i've he I heard preachers uh cocky enough to say Oh yeah, there was a you know family that died and um, didn't know the gospel. The whole family was lost, and then uh, I think the parents and I think there was an eight-year-old kid that uh, burned in the house. And the preachers say that yeah, he uh, in the family, the neighbors, they were Christians, and they watched this little boy scream on the window, and he burnt. They watch him burn alive or something like that. And I'm like, sounds terrible. And he's like, and he's burning in hell now. Why wouldn't we give the gospel? This was supposed to give, uh, you know, makes all feel terrible to why aren't we giving the gospel? I have never for one second in my life believed that an eight year old die and, and go to hell. I actually have a hard time. I think uh, I think you muted your. I think you muted your mic there by mistake. There we go. Oh, can you uh, hear me now? Yeah, I heard you say I have a hard time and then it cut out. Oh, OK. I have a hard time believing that anybody believes that, right? We'll say this because of maybe Bible doctrine or, uh, or what, whatever it is. Like we, we preach, in, and I say we, and I'm just putting all preachers in a category or guys that will teach and preach. You know, sometimes you preach a doctrine, but yourself, I don't think you even believe that. We're taught to like no. say certain things. I think old colony, same idea. We're, we're taught to say things. I'm like, it doesn't really make sense. But it's just, well, we don't understand it and we don't understand how exactly how it all works. But so-and-so that I respect has said it. And uh, we're just going to keep repeating 
what has been passed down yeah, to us. Yeah, it seems that you you can believe something in your head intellectually and then hold a completely different doctrine in your heart and live by it. It's the same thing with this whole sinful nature idea that the Calvinists hold so highly, like a child is born sinful. So the very, very extreme Calvinist would actually say that, yeah, children go to hell. That's why you baptize them as babies, because they believe that children are born of Adam, guilty of Adam's sin. Completely ridiculous theology. Nobody actually believes it. If you ask them, are babies in burning in hell? They would try to backpedal or try to find some back door for God to make allowances. Why not just take that doctrine and realize it's not a biblical doctrine? And let's believe what the Bible actually teaches. So I, I love the book of, of Romans for that reason, too. The first couple chapters make it very, very clear that those that know the truth and hold it under unrighteousness, those ones will be held responsible. Once a child comes to a full age where they understand, where they know what they have done, they really recognize that their sin is not just frivolous. It's actually contrary to God. We don't know when this happens. Each individual might be a little different, right? But... Anyways, man, I mean, you and I, it sounds like we could chat for a long time. We didn't even get your full story down there, but I heard you use the word stand a little bit like the Western people do. I always say stand over here in Ontario. So you must have been in Alberta for quite a while. You don't even notice. Uh, we, we've made so much fun of, me and my brother Frank, we'd make so much fun of our cousins and stuff out here. Why do you guys say pants and van and and uh, <laughs> all those A's, right? The A is like, uh, I don't know, it's pronounced different, right? Uh and I'm like, no, that's not how it is. We're always correcting people, but it is like that. You live somewhere long enough and you start talking like that. I would not realize it. Okay. I wouldn't, re you know, until you said, I'm like, really? Do I? No, I have a hard time. It was just I a little slight. I could, I could kind of pick up on it. But how many years have you been in Alberta? Well, it's, uh, what is it now? Did we say it's 10 years? It's around the 10 years. I don't think it's so quite just right years. after you got saved and married, then you moved out there. Yeah, it was two years after. Oh, okay. Because so, I've been saying they got to be like, what, 12 years now? Because 2010 or yep. 2022. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was, uh, yeah, we've been out here about 10 years, safe for 12. So, yeah, it was two years after we uh, got married. We had one, our oldest boy at that time. And then we came out here. He was one year, one year old, just about one when we moved here. Okay. And now, uh, yeah. how many children do you have now? Five. Five kids. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, see, now we could uh, we could get into uh, what marriage is like and what child training and raising is like. And then uh, you're you're using Bible truths and you've got a nice little group there in southern Alberta where you guys are teaching and preaching the Bible. But uh, I try to cut these off close to an hour so people don't get bored, but we'll maybe have to talk to you again sometime. Yeah, yeah, no, sounds good. I've been I've enjoyed the time and yeah, I would like to get to know you a little bit more, but uh, there's always going to be well, more time. John has mentioned a couple of times that maybe I should come out there and, and do some teaching and preaching with you guys too. But I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to come out. My brother, I have two brothers in Edmonton area. So obviously we would come and visit them and we'll see. Maybe one day it'll happen. Yeah, no, that would be good. Yeah, no, we're, we've been looking, um, you know, so for more guys that are, I guess, a little bit older than us, that would still be able to get, you know, give us a little bit of wisdom and show us, you know, a little bit of things that maybe we could improve on. And because we're a really young church and see, we're aware of that. We're aware of uh, the dangers of being uh, young preachers and, uh, and that kind of thing. And, but we just don't want to just yoke up with anybody. Right. So that's yeah. our issue. We don't want to just yoke up with any church because we're say desperate for old guys uh, wisdom. Um, you know, cause we're, we're just because you're old doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. Right. In so fact, we Jesus, to, you know, Jesus went so far as to say, you know, many times you don't want to pour new wine into old wineskins. Uh, it might just break the whole bottle. Cause you know, you, we would love to have had that too. Now we as a church have been going for like, I want to say we've been there for 13 years and the group started shortly before that, maybe three or four years before. So probably 15, 16, 17 years, somewhere in that range. And, uh, Nobody in the church is yet 50 years old. I mean, you can see, I, I don't have any gray hairs yet either. So I, I don't have that, all that wisdom either, but I have been saved for almost 20 years now. And um, well, 19 anyway. And uh, it's, we're slowly getting that wisdom. Some of the older guys now, the guys that are almost 50 do have the gray hair now. And they're, uh, you know, we've raised our children to a certain point and not that we've been fully successful or that we don't have any regrets or wouldn't do anything different, but you know, slowly God adds to your understanding and your wisdom. So anybody who's saved has something to offer someone else. So uh, if you, even if you've been saved for five or six or 10 years, 
you can obviously teach those that have a little bit less understanding, right? Yeah, no, exactly. No, we recognize that and we see the need for that and how it would be, would be very nice to have that. But uh, yeah, we, we work with and deal with what we got, I guess, and just move on forward. And, and it's been good. God's uh, been taking care of us and we had a struggle with buildings and stuff like that. I'm sure you know all that, yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, we, we're settled in kind of a, in a place right now that seems to work really well. So we're really excited and things are going good. We're just hoping that, um, yeah, people keep coming to the Lord and uh, we can reach more people. And now say we really focus on outreach, right? Trying to reach out. I always say a soul winning church is a live church, right? So we try Absolutely. to try to keep that going where, you know, I'm like, I, everybody always talks about, oh, back then when I just got saved, you know, I was so on fire and we're, we're reaching souls. I said, you know, it doesn't have to die out. We can actually, you know, repent and do the first works, go back to soul winning, right? Yep. And even, um, you know, teaching the Bible, to the church is also part of evangelism. The Bible says yeah. in First Thessalonians, from you sounded out the word of the Lord, you know, in Achaia and Macedonia, and then into the uttermost parts of the world so that we needed not to speak anything. You know, um, once, once the gospel is penetrating the church and you're teaching them in such a way that this becomes their life, they see Jesus and they're living a life of worship, you won't be able to stop the message from going. You know, I mean, you don't even have to necessarily at that point be on the streets, but you're going to be, um, infiltrating all their social circles slowly, right? People are going to be able to preach the gospel in every little por portion of their lives. So that's cool. Keep preaching the Bible, keep lifting up Jesus, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to chat again. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for taking the time. Yes. God bless you. Thank you.